0: For those of you who don't know me, my name is Adam Reely. I serve as one of the pastors here. And i um, looking forward to diving back into the Word of God with you today. Um, we are going to be doing a standalone. This is the only week of this particular series. But we are going to be looking at the phrase, one accord. Um, the idea of unity. And what we are called to as the body of Christ in this world that we live in. And so when I think about unity... There's a lot of things that come to mind, and I'm sure there's a lot of things that come to your minds. For me, I grew up playing sports, and so playing football, basketball, and baseball from little on up, I think of the different teams that I was a part of growing up. And, and maybe like you, I was a part of some bad teams that didn't have a whole lot of unity, um, but I was also a part of some good teams where there was a good sense of unity amongst the players on that team. And sports might not be your thing, so maybe it's music or it's the workplace. But that idea of team is something that we are all passionate about. And you know when it's a good team and when it's a bad team. And many times it's the unity that makes it good or bad. I think of the the missions trips I've had the opportunity to lead here at Maranatha. I think it's like 12 or something like that since I've been here. And what I love about missions trips is you get to see... The spiritual gifts and the talents and the passions of members of the body of Christ come to life. And you're working on a project and, and, you're, and you're, you're trying to bless some group of people during this missions trip. And what is so amazing about a missions trip is you get to see all of the people of God working together with unity to accomplish a goal, to accomplish a purpose. So I think about missions trips, I think about marriage and family and just how important it is that we have unity in our marriages, that we're on the same page, that as we walk through the trials of life, the difficulties of life, we're unified with our spouse. If you're in a family, the importance of kids being in unity with mom and dad and mom and dad being in unity with the children It's hard to come by. It's not easy. Having a home that's peaceful and unified is something that you have to work towards. But the beauty and the peace of a home that is centered on Christ and unified around that goal of bringing glory to God, what a beautiful thing. Now I wonder when I use the word one or unity or one accord, did anybody think about church? Because if we're honest, sometimes church is not the place that we think about unity. Maybe you've had a bad experience with church and you walked through a church split and you saw the broken relationships then everything that happened because of that. Maybe you've been a part of conversations when one believer is arguing with another believer. One believer has a perspective or an angle on a certain issue or topic, and another believer has a completely different angle or perspective on that same topic. Let's be honest. Church, many times, is not the place of unity that God calls it to be. But we can be different. The body of Christ here at Maranatha Bible Church, we can be set apart. We can live according to what God wants for us, that we would be a light in a divided culture. We could be a witness to the work of Christ in a divisive culture around us. We can be united, we can stand as one, we can live in unity. That's what we are called to do as the body of Christ. If you have a copy of God's word, I'd encourage you to meet me in Romans chapter 15. Um, We're going to jump around a lot today, but we're going to start here. Romans chapter 15, we're going to be in verses 5 through 7 to begin. And so I just want to read this, and then we're going to break it down kind of phrase by phrase in just the powerful message that it is for us as the body of Christ seeking to live in unity with one another it says this may the god of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with christ jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the god and father of our lord jesus christ therefore welcome one another as christ has welcomed you For the glory of God. Let's talk about this first phrase here. It says, may the God of endurance and encouragement. Now back in verse 4, if you just want to glance up one verse, the Apostle Paul is writing and he says that through endurance and the encouragement, specifically the encouragement we receive from the scriptures is where we can find hope in life. Like, that's good news for us today, that through the scriptures and through our relationship with God, we can find endurance, we can find encouragement, we can find true hope in life. And it's found in God's word in a relationship with him. And then in verse 5, Paul says that the God of the Bible is the God of endurance and encouragement. The God that we have relationship with. The God that you can know in a personal way is the God of endurance. He's the God of encouragement. But what does endurance mean? A lot of times when we're reading God's word, we can just fly right by some words, assuming that we know what that means. But what does it mean to endure? Well, the word endurance means steadfastness. It means waiting with expectation. It means that we're persevering, we're living with patience, that there's a kind of long-suffering about us. John 15, where Jesus is speaking, would say it's to abide. It's to remain. It's to hold fast to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And we serve the God of all endurance, who has empowered us by his spirit to live that kind of life ourselves. It says, may the God of endurance and encouragement. The word encouragement means to comfort. It means to exhort someone else. It's to use our actions and our words to lift someone's spirit. It's in times of suffering and loss and grief it's to console someone to show compassion on someone and again what i want you to see here is the character of god that he is the god of all endurance and he is the god of all encouragement may the god of endurance and encouragement and here's paul's prayer he says grant you to live in harmony with one another in accord with christ jesus And so what what I want you to see here, and while I have it bolded on the screen, is that it's a gift. That this harmony, this unity, this oneness that is available to us as the body of Christ is not something that we produce. It's not something that we can manufacture. It's not something that we can work hard enough to create on our own. God gives his church unity As a gift, but what that means for us is that we are called to steward that unity in a way that is honoring to Him, and so it's given to us as a gift. But the question is, how are we stewarding the unity, the oneness that God has given to us through His Son Jesus Christ? Grant you to live in harmony with one another. I love this. It. It shows us that we are called to live in unity, to have good relationships with those around us, specifically with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus calls us in the great commandment that we are to love one another, that we are to count others more important or significant than ourselves, that we are to serve and to show mercy and compassion to those around us. I love what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, so we're going to be kind of bouncing back and forth here between Romans 15 and Ephesians 2 for a moment. Because he picks up this theme of unity being played out in our horizontal relationships in Ephesians chapter 2. It says this. It says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made by the flesh by hands. Now just pause for a moment, just so we're all understanding the different kind of people that are involved here. Throughout the Old Testament, we know that God called a people to himself. It was the Israelite nation, the Jewish people. But when Christ came and he died for our sins, he made a way for all peoples to have relationship with God. And that happens through belief in Jesus Christ. And so now Paul is writing to these believers and he is talking now to Gentiles, which were non-Jews, people from outside the nation of Israel. And so what, what I want you to see here is how Christ has completely destroyed that dividing line between these two groups of people because of what Christ has done. They can have unity. He goes on in verse 12 to say, remember that you were at that time talking about the Gentiles, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, don't miss this, but Christ. But now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, amen? That's our testimony, No matter where you're from, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, that is true of all of our lives. But now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of his hostility by by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. God has called us to peace. He has called us to harmony with one another. But it begs the question, what causes then disunity? What causes friction and tension and division in our relationships with other believers? All right, it's like, where do we start? I mean, the list is a mile long, but let's just think about our current culture, our current context for a moment. We have COVID. Are there a lot of different perspectives on what should be done with COVID? Yeah, and, and those perspectives are prevalent throughout the church, even here at Maranatha Bible Church. Let's not let that tear us apart. Let's not let that destroy the unity that God has given us. Or let's take the racial tension that's happening throughout our country and in our land. Are there different perspectives? Are there different opinions? Are there different arguments that believers are making about what is going on around our country? And the simple answer is yes. Let's not let that tear us apart as the body of Christ here at Maranatha that we would continue to pursue peace and unity with the help of the Spirit. Schools are back in session. Do you send them? Do you keep them home? Do you start homeschooling? Again, let's give grace and mercy and compassion to other believers who might make a, a different decision than your own. Let's pursue unity and peace in our relationships. We are in an election cycle the 2020 election is right around the corner. Again, let's continue to pursue unity and to protect the bond of peace that we have in Christ. Because if we're not careful, we allow all these things to divide us from other brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're not having the impact that he wants us to have. I heard this quote over the past couple weeks. It said this, peace is a beautiful thing. Making peace Not so much. We have to work at it. If we want to have healthy relationships, if we want to experience peace in our relationships, if we want to have unity as the body of Christ, we have to be sold out and work at protecting that unity. Well, God also wants us to have a, a healthy relationship with him. It says here that we would be in one accord with Christ Jesus. That our vertical relationship with Jesus would be right. That we would love God above all else. And again, Paul picks up this theme in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16 through 18. He's just said, so making peace. There's the goal. And might reconcile us both to God, Paul says, in one body through the cross. Thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you. Who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Again, I'll ask the question as we think about our relationship with God and the peace that we have, or maybe the lack of peace that we have there, what is it that disunifies? What is it that separates us from God? Again, there's a a mile long list that we could start sharing. But I think you can boil it down to one word. It's sin. It's when we fall short of the glory of God. It separates us from our relationship. We, We lack that closeness, that personal closeness that we have with our creator. When we fall into sin and we're not living the lives that God has called us to, or maybe we're living outside of the family of God because we've never surrendered our lives to him in the first place. We've never experienced salvation Our relationship with God is going to be distant. It's going to be separate. But God made a way that we could be whole. He sent his only son to die on the cross so that you and I could have our sins forgiven. And the story doesn't end there. He rose from the dead and he conquered the grave so that we could stand in victory over those temptations and over those sins. And we could walk in freedom. And so are we living by that reality in our lives today? Or are we allowing the flesh and the sins that we are tempted with to destroy the relationship that we want to have with God? May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Romans 15, back to our main passage, Paul says that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this verse. I love this phrase because in it you find the ultimate purpose of the church. And what is that purpose? It's to glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. We desire to bring glory to the God of the universe. And the question is, how do we do that? Well, again, our passage tells us, God's word specifically tells us that we can bring glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, by being together, by having one voice, by living out our testimony in unity, granting forgiveness and mercy and grace to those who wrong us, being committed to staying together and unified no matter what comes our way. Again, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes this. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. Isn't that amazing? Fellow citizens with the saints of old. We are members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of God. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We're one. We're called to be one house. We're called to be one house structure built on the foundation of Christ to live out our testimony as the body of Christ in unity for the glory of God. And then in Romans 15, he concludes, Paul concludes and challenges us by saying this, therefore, welcome one another. How do we do that? He says, as Christ has welcomed you. Why? For the glory of God. I mean, just for a moment, think about how Christ has welcomed you. For a moment, reflect and ponder the amazing grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that he stepped out of heaven and onto this earth to live in this broken system, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, steps out of heaven and onto earth, takes on human flesh. He's tempted in every way, yet he is without sin. He he lives the perfect life that we all should be striving for. But throughout his life, he's misunderstood. He's led the end of his life to the cross where he is beaten and mocked and put on trial unfairly and he dies for your sins and for mine the perfect son of God becoming the perfect sacrifice for our sins so how has Christ welcomed us well he has welcomed us into the family of God when we put our faith and trust in him Paul says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And so we are called as followers of Christ. Yeah, we speak truth, but we do so in a loving way. We extend the grace that God has extended to us. We extend the mercy that God has extended to us. We forgive when those around us wrong us or say things or hurt us. Because we're called to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us for the glory of God. High atop the Andes Mountains, the rays of the sun strike ice, and a single drop of water forms. It begins to trace a hesitant course downward, gradually joining with other drops of water to become a steady stream. The stream gained speed and strength and thousands of feet below and hundreds of miles later, what were once single drops have now converged to become the mightiest river on earth, the Amazon. Flowing into the Atlantic Ocean at a rate of more than 7 million cubic feet per second, the Amazon is more powerful than the next 10 largest rivers in the world combined. I share this illustration because as the body of Christ, that's the kind of impact that we can make when we live in unity, when we have the same mission, when we live for the same goal, when we don't allow sin and temptation and preferences to divide the body of Christ, but we lean into the power that we have from the Holy Spirit. We, like the Amazon, can flow with power and make impact in the world around us. Yet many times we, we are not living this one accord life that we see in God's word. The phrase one accord is found 12 times in the New Testament. 11 of which are in the book of Acts. And this word one accord in the original language means with one mind. It means to be together, to be unity, to, be, to have unity and to be united around a purpose. And so what I want to do in the time that we have left is I want to look at the passages in the book of Acts where the church was in one accord. As Pastor Butch said earlier, whenever the condition of one accord exists, something happens. There is power in our unity. There is power when we live our lives in one accord. So I have three kind of declarations that I would want to pray over our church and pray over our people this morning. And here are those declarations. The first one is, we stand united in our passionate pursuit of Christ. We stand united in our passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ. Because if we look at the book of Acts, as we look at the first church church, We see them united in their relationship with God. And the way that played out practically practically is they were committed, they were devoted to prayer. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, what's going on here is Jesus has now ascended back to heaven. He has promised that a helper will come, a comforter will come, the Holy Spirit. And so the believers, the disciples, are gathered together, and they are waiting. They are waiting for the promised Holy Spirit to come. And here's what it says about them as they wait. It says in verse 14, Acts chapter 1, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. They're of one accord. They are existing in unity, and they're praying. They are committed to prayer. Later on in Acts chapter 4, verse 24, this is following Peter and John's trial, they are released and they're praying for boldness, that they would have boldness to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. And it says this of them, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. Right? This word together can also be translated one accord. They're in one accord. They're in unity. They are together and they are lifting their voices and they are praying to God, asking him to fill them with boldness to live out their testimony for Jesus Christ. We stand united in our passionate pursuit of Christ. So obviously these declarations have a a corporate application, right? As the body of Christ, we as Maranatha Bible Church ought to work on these truths. But I want to make it personal for you. And so under each of these declarations, I want to follow it up with a question. And the question is for you as an individual follower of Christ. So for you, are you passionately pursuing Christ? Is that statement true of your life? If not, what are you passionately pursuing? Because I know for a fact that every single one of you in this room is pursuing with passion something. Because that's how we're wired as human beings, to follow a purpose, to follow a passion, And the question is, are you following a passion to pursue Jesus or are you following a passion to pursue yourself? God lays passions for career and life and family and the the list goes on and on, on our hearts. But are we living out those passions for the ultimate passion of pursuing Jesus Christ with everything we have? So I want you to reflect on that today. As you think about your life and where you're at today, are you passionately pursuing Jesus Christ? Because we will stand united when we stand in our passionate pursuit of him. Secondly, we stand united in our commitment to gather as the body of Christ what I want you to see in the book of Acts is that the church in Acts was united because they were regularly meeting together at one time in one place. All right, so I've got a number of passages that I want to read for you so you can kind of just follow along on the screen. But when we look at the church in Acts, they were committed to one thing, and that was being together in person with one another. It says in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, Pentecost is when um, the Holy Spirit descended upon the early church, like what they'd been waiting for, what they'd been praying for. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Later on in Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47, it says this about the early church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking breads in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Later on in Acts chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly being done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. I believe it was this ministry philosophy, this desire to be together that led the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10, to write these words. He said, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is habit of some. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The question as we consider these truths is this Are we committed to gathering with our church family? For you individually, for you as an individual follower of Christ, are you committed to gathering with your church family? You're like, Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm gathering. But I would challenge you maybe a step further. You, you might be here on a Sunday morning, but you know as well as I do that when you come here on Sunday morning right now, it feels a little different. And so our desire for you as a follower of Jesus here at this church is that you would be connected. That you would not just slip in and slip out on a Sunday morning, but that you would have a spiritual family That you would be a part of a small group or an ABF. That you would be a part of, as we heard earlier, the the women's ministry, the men's ministry. That you would take a step to develop real life relationships with followers of Jesus Christ. Because as we look at the the New Testament church, as we look at the, the book of Acts, what you see is a commitment to gather as the body of Christ. That happens on Sunday mornings here at 9 and 11. We gather as the body of Christ to worship our Savior corporately. And I believe we gather throughout the week when we gather in homes, in middle school ministry, in high school ministry, in college ministry, men's and women's, ABS, connect groups. We are gathering as the body of Christ and we are pursuing fellowship with one another. This is nothing to say against digital forms of church gathering. I believe there's a time and a place for that. But I also believe as the body of Christ, we were created for human connection. We were created to have relationship with one another. So we stand united in our our commitment to gather as the body of Christ. And lastly, we stand united in our desire to make decisions that honor Christ. Christ. We stand united in our desire to make decisions that honor Christ. Because as we look at the book of Acts, the church in Acts, we see that they were united in their decision making. And again, there's a lot of different passages, there's a lot of different texts that we could go to, but I'll just take us to one. In Acts chapter 15, verse 25, it says this. It seemed good to us, having come to, there's our word, one accord to choose men And to send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. And so what you have here is the early church, the leaders of that church have come together and they have experienced unity. They have unity, they're of one accord, and they make a decision to send workers to support the ministry of Barnabas and Paul. There wasn't division, there wasn't an argument, there wasn't... Well, maybe we should send, they came to one accord. They were in unity in making their decision. Now, it doesn't always happen that way. Because again, we all are individual believers making up the body of Christ. And sometimes we have different opinions on what should be done. So the question is, is it possible to disagree And still maintain unity. Is that possible? Sometimes in our culture today, it doesn't feel like it. Because if you disagree with me, then there's no way that we can be in relationship with one another. But I believe as we look to the New Testament, as we look to the model of the church, again, we, more than anyone in our culture and around the world, have the opportunity to be a witness for Christ in how we live out our testimony in unity. So, is it possible to disagree and maintain unity? Now, simple examples would say yes. Like I had a a good friend growing up that was a a, uh, Michigan Wolverines fan, right? And I was a Buckeyes fan. But at the end of the day, We were still friends. We disagreed on who we followed, but we were still friends, mostly because the Buckeyes seem to win more than Michigan does as of late. But in our everyday relationships, as we wrestle with different topics and we have different opinions, is it possible to disagree and maintain unity? And my answer to that question is yes. And here are three ways that you can do so. Ask these three questions of yourself. As I engage in this conversation or I engage in this relationship, number one, am I pursuing peace? Is that my goal? Am I pursuing peace in this conversation? Secondly, am I loving others? Is my goal to show love to them? Yeah, I'm speaking truth, but I'm doing so in a loving way. And thirdly, Am I counting others more significant than myself? I believe if your answer to those questions is yes, we can have healthy dialogue. We can disagree with one another, but maintain unity. It's when we find ourselves not pursuing peace, we're just trying to win the argument, when we're not loving others, and we're not counting others more significant than ourselves, that's where relationships start to break down. So here's my question for you. Is your greatest desire in life to make decisions that honor Christ? Is that your greatest desire? If not, what is your greatest desire? Because I believe as followers of Jesus, the driving force of our lives, what should motivate our decisions and our actions and our words is that we would honor Christ, that we would live our lives in a way that brings glory And honor to Him. I believe that happens in unity. I believe the name of Christ is lifted up, that we are able to bring glory to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we live in unity. Like that Amazon River that starts with a couple droplets of water that converge to become a stream and then eventually dump into the greatest river on the earth. And the impact that that makes, I believe the body of Christ, both locally, regionally, and globally, when we stay firmly connected to one another, when we live our lives in unity, there's nothing that God cannot accomplish through us. I love Paul's prayer here in Romans chapter 15. May the God of endurance May the God of encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another. Two quick reflection questions, and then we'll be done. First, as you take inventory of your life, as you think through your conversations and your relationships, number one, does your life demonstrate a commitment to unity? Be honest. And what are some specific ways in which you need to grow In unity this week. Secondly, how does a desire for unity shape your prayer life? Because again, unity is not something that we manufacture. Unity is not something that we produce as the church. It's something that we protect. It's a gift that God has given to us. And so how will you pray for the unity of the church each day this week? Because the church needs it. The church desperately needs individual followers of Christ, families coming together and praying for unity during this season of our life. That we would live differently. That we would be united of one accord for the glory of God. Let's pray about that this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for an opportunity to To learn of unity and learn of what it means for the body of Christ to be of one accord. And so, God, this morning, as we go from here, God, I pray if there are relationships with other believers that we need to mend, that, God, you would help us to have boldness to pursue them, to seek forgiveness, and to be reconciled with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, if there is something that is separating us from you, that if we are lacking unity in our relationship with you, God, I pray that we would confess that sin, that we would repent of that sin, and God, that you would draw us close into a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. God, my prayer for this church is that you would protect the unity that you have given us, that you would empower us with your spirit to make an impact in our communities, around our country, in our world. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his death, burial, and resurrection. We ask all of this in the powerful name of Christ Jesus. Amen.